Several years ago, the San Francisco Chronicle ran a list of the top 10 disappointments for tourists. The biggest bummers in the world of travel. Well, number one was the Polo Lounge in Hollywood, California. Supposedly, the Polo Lounge is the hangout of the movie stars. But all tourists usually see there are other tourists on the lookout for movie stars. Number two on the list is a gaudy casino in Monte Carlo. And then the number three most disappointing tourist attraction in the world of travel is the town of Bethlehem. From a tourist standpoint, O little town of Bethlehem would be better called O lousy town of Bethlehem. I visited Bethlehem in the early 1990s and it has only gotten worse since. It has very little to offer in the way of thrills and chills. It's a grimy, grubby, gloomy little town. In fact, you would think the birthplace of our Savior would be grand and glorious. But in a word, Bethlehem is grunge. On my last visit to Bethlehem, our tour guide was reluctant to even take us to the town. One reason was that he was a Jewish tour guide and Bethlehem is a Palestinian town on the West Bank. Another reason though is that he just didn't think there was anything there that was worth seeing in Bethlehem. He saw Bethlehem as a bust. And as we drove through the streets, the reasons for his reluctance became apparent. Dilapidated buildings and dirty sidewalks and walls defaced with Arabic graffiti, boarded up windows, overflowing trash cans, hooligans prowling the streets. Oh, littered town of Bethlehem would have been more fitting. Even the upscale store we visited on the way out of town looked more like a military compound. The parking lot was surrounded by a high wall. The need for such tight security didn't speak well of the neighborhood. On the way to the church of the Nativity, our driver had a near miss with a pedestrian. I'll never forget, he rolled down his window and he shouted at him in Arabic. It turned out to be an educational trip. We learned how to say donkey in Arabic. When we arrived at our destination, the atmosphere was full of turmoil and tension. Once we got out of the van, we started across the plaza to the celebrated church. There we were accosted by Palestinian panhandlers. They approached us asking for handouts and selling cheap postcards. One dollar, one dollar, only one dollar. That was the familiar refrain. We held onto our wallets a little tighter. Bethlehem means house of bread. And I figure it got that name because everybody there wanted my money. You know, I saw Bethlehem as sort of a miniature third world New York City. Which reminds me of the year that the garbage collectors went on strike in the Big Apple. Trash piled high in the streets until New Yorkers proved their ingenuity. They started placing Christmas bows on garbage bags. And they left them on the back seat of their cars. New York's dependable thieves mistook the trash bags for shopping bags and hauled off their garbage. <laughs> I suppose the same strategy probably would have worked well in Bethlehem. The Church of the Nativity is quite a sight. It's one of the oldest Christian basilicas in the world. 
and it looks like it. The building hasn't had a fresh coat of paint for 1,450 years. Here's the ultimate challenge for Ty Pennington in Extreme Makeover Home Edition. The building's block facade is crumbling and weathered. Over its 1,600 years history, it's been riddled with cannonballs and bullets and mortar fire. The church is actually the linking together of several buildings owned by three separate churches, the Armenians, the Greek Orthodox, and the Franciscans. Repairs to the building are impossible because of the dispute between the churches over who actually controls the compound. Red tape keeps the church run down. On occasion, fights even break out between rival priests. September the 29th, 2007, an article appeared in the London Times, and the first sentence says it all. The cradle of Christianity was rocked by an unholy punch-up when Greek Orthodox and Armenian priests came to blows in a dispute over how to clean Bethlehem's Church of the Nativity. Rival religious factions can't even agree on how to spruce up the place. Witnesses say Armenian priests got upset when the Greek Orthodox set up ladders on what they claimed was their portion of the building. Angry words turned into violent blows. The melee lasted over an hour. Five priests ended up injured. It took Palestinian priests to break up the brawl. And we wonder why the locals aren't flocking to become Christians? This ugly building and the ugly behavior that goes on inside is a testimony to religion at its worst. Oh, lousy town of Bethlehem. You know, as you walk into the church of the nativity, the doorway is so low that a normal person has to duck. And the design was intentional. The entrance is also a result of the church's sordid past. When Muslims controlled the Holy Land, bullies would ride their horses into the church to destroy the property and to torment its worshipers. Priests actually shrunk down the doorways to keep the horses and hellions outside. They figured rightly that no Muslim would ever bow under an arch to enter a Christian church. I'll never forget the first time that I walked through the doors of this basilica. What a disappointment. What a letdown. The wooden rafters in the roof were black and dirty. The columns are limestone, but they look dull brown. The air is damp and musty. The church of the nativity felt more like a barn than a basilica. Why did we ever bother with Bethlehem? I was about to admit that our tour guide was right, that there was nothing worth seeing in this lousy little town until, until we walked down the flight of stairs just below the altar. You need to know that the Church of the Nativity was built over a series of caves that were on the outskirts of ancient Bethlehem. In the first century, the town's livestock were stabled in these caves. As early as the second century, these caves were identified as the place where Joseph and Mary sought refuge after being turned away from the Bethlehem end. As I descended down those stairs, I'll never forget it. As we walked into those caves, I felt such a strange peace. I was leaving behind the tension and the turmoil that brewed up on the city's surface. I was moving deeper. 
Beyond the social and religious and political strife that loomed outside. That created so much anger and animosity. Under this infamous church. In these hollowed out caves. I felt the presence of Jesus. I felt the warm and wonderful glow of God. I sensed I was standing in the very place of his birth. Below Bethlehem's greed and grime. I discovered God's grace. My time in Bethlehem was transformed that moment from bummer to blessing. Hey, realize Joseph and Mary, they didn't just stumble into Bethlehem desperate for a place to stay. Bethlehem was more than a convenient road stop on their journey south. No, God booked them in Bethlehem far in advance. As we read here in Micah, the prophet declares, You Bethlehem Ephrathra, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Micah predicted the town of Bethlehem would be Messiah's birthplace 700 years before Jesus was born. And rest assured, Bethlehem was the same kind of roughneck town when Joseph and Mary were there as when I visited, if not worse. You see, the village of Bethlehem began as a Philistine stronghold. When the Hebrews took it over, it became a farming town. Thus its name, House of Bread. By the first century, Bethlehem had become a haven for shepherds and for sheep. The sacred sheep used in the temple sacrifices actually grazed on the fields outside of Bethlehem. Of course, this didn't do much to enhance its image. In ancient times, shepherds and sailors had a similar reputation. Both were foul-mouthed and free-spirited. Shepherds were rowdy. Sheep reeked with foul odors. Hey, Jerusalem, three miles to the north, that was the holy city. But Bethlehem, that was the other side of the tracks. Even then, Bethlehem was a barrio. On the night that Joseph and Mary arrived, the town was full of visitors. Refugees from all over Palestine had returned to their hometown to register for the census. The place was crawling with folks who were tired and frustrated and angry and poor and alienated from home and stuck in this one-horse town with nothing to do. Imagine the combination of bored visitors and boisterous shepherds and streets full of smelly sheep. That night in Bethlehem must have been a nightmare. On that first Christmas Eve, old little town of Bethlehem was full of commotion and conflict and commercialism. In Bethlehem streets, there was far more pain on earth than peace on earth. Drunken brawls and fistfights were more common than goodwill toward men. And there has been Bedlam and Bethlehem for a long time now. You see, first century Bethlehem is not unlike 20th century Bethlehem. It's rough and it's rank. It's an eyesore and a cesspool. It's one lousy little town. In fact, the city of Bethlehem is a lot like the place that you and I live This world that we live in can also be a grimy and greedy and grubby place. A lousy little town. Buildings still get boarded up. 
Hooligans prowl the streets. Conflict and commercialism and commotion and chaos haunt our hood. And yet the hymn tells us, it's what we sing at Christmas time. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. God's light even shines in dark places. Despite our dismal surroundings, despite the garbage of our sin and the pop marks of our mistakes, despite the hassle of red tape, despite the prevalence of greed, despite the painful cries we hear around us, the Christ can still be found. His light still shines in dark streets. You see, to our shock and surprise, heaven is reachable even by way of Bethlehem. Jesus can be found even in lousy locations. The prophet Micah commented on Bethlehem's earthly insignificance when he said, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah. Here's some other translations of Micah's description. Though you're a small village in Judah. Though you're the tiniest of townships in all Judah. Though you're the least of the clans in Judah. You see, God deliberately chose a lousy little town as the birthplace for His Son to prove to every other town that He's not above becoming a resident. God promises us a heavenly home one day. But first, He wants to make our home His home. God invades our place. He wants to be a resident in our lives even if all we can give Him is a cave. From there, Jesus will begin to shine His light and begin to touch the lives of the people around us. You see, Bethlehem is not as far from heaven as you might have first thought. And neither is Stone Mountain or Snellville or Loganville or Lilburn. After the fall of the Soviet Union, a few prisoners still occupied the Siberian work camps. Life in these camps was bleak and hard and depressing. Well, one Christmas morning, the church bells rang. And the prisoners all scurried out of the yard. They crowded around the fence to watch the townsfolk walk cheerfully up the hill to the local cathedral to worship the Savior. The prisoners assumed that they'd been forgotten. They'd been forsaken to celebrate Christmas in cold obscurity. But after the church service, the pastor, he made his way down the hill to the camp. And he set up a communion table. And he led the prisoners in worship. These beaten down men were so delighted to have the opportunity to worship Jesus on Christmas Day. One of the men, he said to the pastor, Thanks for being here. Now God has come to us. That's when the pastor smiled. And he offered a gentle rebuke. He said, No, you misunderstand. This camp is where Jesus lives all year long. He goes up to the cathedral only on special occasions. You see, this is what Bethlehem teaches you and me. If God is at home in the tiniest of townships, in the vilest of villages, then He'll make His home anywhere that He is invited to come in and dwell. The message of that first Christmas 2,000 years ago is that God is not intimidated by our filth. God is not afraid to become a part of the roughest neighborhood. 
God won't back away for fear of contracting our infection. Hey, Christmas means that God doesn't need rubber gloves to touch us. God loves us. And before he moves us out of this world, he first wants to move into our world. Today, our surroundings are full of commotion and chaos. Every day we travel through unfriendly environments. We rub shoulders with people who want what we've got. We dodge folks who want to pick our pocket or pick a fight. We live among bullies and burglars and businessmen. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Foul odors and red tape and boarded up opportunities and dilapidated possibilities make our lives harder. Well, welcome, my friend, to Bethlehem. It's tough living in a lousy little town. And here's our problem. Life takes its toll on our faith. We come home from work or from school, beaten down. At times, it feels more like we're beaten up. We believe in God. And when we come to church, we feel closer to Him. But where we live, that's a different story. Life seems so hopeless and far removed from God's presence. And our faith can begin to flicker. Hey, if this sums you up, you have yet to grasp the meaning of Christmas. For God chose to birth His Son in a lousy little town like Bethlehem for a reason. It's proof that if we look deep enough, we can find God in the midst of whatever we face, no matter how miserable our surroundings might be. God births His presence in caves, even the cave of our heart. It's been said, the question which Christmas most surely should bring along with the beautiful carols we sing, and the happy excitement of trimming the tree is simply this, has Bethlehem happened to me? Like in Bethlehem, we can find God, even in the midst of lousy circumstances, in the middle of your mess, underneath all that disgusts you and frustrates you and tires you. You can find the peace and rest of God You can find the warm and wonderful glow and glory of God. Here is the Christmas message. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. Grace can be found even in Bethlehem. See, the birth of the Savior in a place like Bethlehem proves that none of us have to be victimized by our environment. That no matter where we live, That no matter what we face, we are not alone. Jesus descended into our madness in order to lift us out of the pit that we're in. Hey, the fact that you've been down and dirty a time or two, the fact that you've lived on dilapidated streets, the fact that you've spent most of your time on the wrong side of the tracks, none of that frightens God off from involving Himself with you. He chose for His Son to be born in a lousy little town to prove that He is willing to save us and come to us just as we are and right where we're at. It's a shame that we don't often sing the last two stanzas of a little town of Bethlehem. These are the verses our weary hearts and weary ears need to hear. Listen to the lyrics by Phillips Brooks. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. 
So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. No ear may hear His coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive Him, still the dear Christ enters in. And then the part we did sing tonight, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us. Abide with us. Our Lord, Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel, it means God with us. And no matter how hard our world gets, no matter how bad our environment might be, no matter how wretched the people around us become, no matter how run down our situation gets, nothing can rob us from the Christmas promise. God is with us. Even in Bethlehem. If we trust in Jesus, if we walk in His ways, if we follow after Him with all our hearts, God promises to be with us, even in a cold, cruel, calloused world. He'll strengthen us for our challenges. He'll comfort us in the midst of our sorrows. God will make the difference in our lives. God will even use the turmoil of this world to make us more like Jesus and to prepare us for eternity. If we let Him, God can create beauty even in the midst of Bethlehem. Here's the message of Christmas. The Savior is with us even in a lousy town.